got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode 31, Valkyrie from 2008. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us tonight, we have, returning from last week's episode of Hanks for the Memories, I feel like I asked you the same question last time. What episodes were you on? You were on our Magnolia episode, and then you were last week for Toy Story 2. Back mm-hmm. on the program is Mr. John Brooks. Hello, John. Hello. Thank you so much for returning here and heading over to Nazi Germany. So here, here's the weird thing, which I did not expect in Tom Cruise's career. In the span of three movies, he's basically played Marco Rubio, and then he played a Nazi. Like, it's <laughs> it's range, and it's a type of character that I did not think. And then in the middle, he played a balding studio exec in Tropic Thunder. Like, this is a weird, weird stretch, and it's not it's not over yet. All I kept thinking of watching this is, uh, oh, Hanks just did a World War II movie. Now Cruise is going to do this World War II movie. They mentioned the invasion at Normandy. I'm like, Hanks is on that beach. I, <laughs> You know, I'm like, I wish this existed in the same universe cinematically. Oh, I was getting flashes to Saving Private Ryan, but also flashes forward to uh, Edge of Tomorrow when Tom Cruise oh, is yeah. on the beach at the beginning and you know they're, they're under attack and I was just like ooh we're going to get here before too long but before we go too much further into the details of Valkyrie here's a quick plot summary uh, if you've not seen this movie it is available on HBO Go HBO Max if you have H- if you have access to HBO you can watch it there for free legally we are in World War II Tom Cruise is a German officer one of a group appalled by what the Nazis are doing by the way he's also married to Melisandre uh, from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, he is. Which I was like, oh, I, now I know why John likes this movie. Yeah, that's that's definitely why. Yeah, Definitely why. The In an attack, reason. Tom Cruise loses an eye, his right hand, and his left hand's ring and pinky fingers. Uh, when he's recovering, he's officially recruited to join the official resistance. They discuss Operation Valkyrie, which is mobilizing Hitler's embedded troops throughout Europe to unknowingly fight against the German government while they mean to protect it. Cruise rewrites Operation Valkyrie to focus troops on Berlin. He gets promoted, given direct access to Hitler. Hitler signs the thing without reading it. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, they generate a new plan to kill Hitler by making a makeshift bomb in his bunker, and then they initiate Valkyrie. The plan begins, and then basically a lot of stuff happens where they almost do things, and then they don't do things. They almost do things, and like it's close calls and near misses and infighting and fear. And then Cruz successfully sets off an explosion, but someone had moved the case. Hitler does not die. Everyone becomes suspicious, but they're still under underway with the plan anyway. Hitler's very much alive. Things break bad. They all get captured, all the resistance that's captured, sentenced to death and executed. Cruz faces a firing line, but one of his close comrades, you know, takes a bullet for him, gets killed in front of him, and then Cruz dies. And Mike, unlike many of the other Tom Cruise movies, when he dies, he does not come back. No, he does not. The dead. He is. Dead as a doornail. And that's Valkyrie. It's a it's based on a true story. It's intense, even though you know that they're not going to be successful, they're still the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the thought that you're like, wait, maybe they... Because, like, I yeah. think I told Mike this story before, but, John, when I saw Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> in my head I had heard somewhere that it was true to reality. And so when they, like, lock... Spoilers for Inglorious Bastards. When they lock Hitler and all of his men in that theater, I'm like, wait, how are they going to get out of this? And then they don't. I'm like, wait, what the fuck did I read? <laughs> and so here, I'm like, I know that this is based on a true story, and it feels realistic and it feels yeah. like this is not going to deviate from history but you're also like wait maybe they did right no i, yeah, I love yeah. it it almost like reminds me of titanic in that way where I've, i know jack and rose are imaginary people like they're not you know like the guy Cruz is portraying who was a real person but watching that movie it like proves the old adage sometimes you can know how it ends and it's still exciting and tense mm-hmm. and worth watching right and like this is one of those moments, one of those movies. Yeah, when the when the July twentieth plot unravels uh, towards the end of it, it it is. I mean, it, it's it's the work of great filmmaking and just really. And this is a very well made film, despite my feelings about its director. The fealty to history as well. There's a lot of details. I, I don't know how much you guys know about the the historical plot, um, but there, not a lot. Yeah. So so there's some really great, interesting details that are that are so vividly realized. I will tell you where it diverges from history. Um, we can talk about that later on. Every time I watch it, I still I, I do I, I have that feeling of like oh maybe this time they'll pull it off and end the war and kill Hitler. And it's great, I mean, to be able to to be able to tell a story with that sort of intensity when you do know how it's going to end and you keep hoping it's not going to, right? Um, it's, a, it's a really great trick to pull. I think Titanic's a really good example of that, right? I'm, there's, I'm sure there's tons of examples that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head. But, you know, Titanic, where it's like, well, maybe this time the ship won't sink. Like, right, like, maybe they will... 
be able to endure the iceberg or they'll miss it or whatever. That tension needs to exist in order to, to make a movie like that work. I'm not sure what the trick is to pull that off, but like, yeah, there are some good filmmakers who are able to, to do that. Like Apollo 13 is another one, right? Like mm-hmm. when the pod <laughs> appears in the sky and, and they aren't all dead, you know that's going to happen, but like it's still incredibly tense waiting for that moment to, to, to appear, like when you actually see them, you know, enter into the atmosphere. So with that said, John, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite part of Valkyrie? Wow, I mean... I, actually, where does this rank? Is this one of your favorite Cruise movies? Yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite movies, period. Really? Wow, okay. Are, are you, like, a real, like, film historian buff, kind of, like, into more of, like, would you rather watch like a historical film like this as opposed to I don't know like a Marvel movie or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do I do read a lot of nonfiction. Klaus von Stauffenberg is a is a kind of personal hero of mine. I I think he's really well portrayed in this movie. There's also some interesting controversy about when Cruz was going to play him and how that went over in Germany. Yeah, I mean I really love. Well, the scene when they're, I think two of the most tense scenes, again, you know what's going to happen, but the scene where they're having Hitler sign off on the Valkyrie plan is is just so intense. And the one that really is uh, well-documented, what Stauffenberg did when he uh, arrives at the meeting um, at the Wolf's Den and he has to go change. And here's a guy who's like, got barely got one hand, right? And like, has to change his entire outfit and make it seem inconspicuous so that he can tie the bombs to himself when there's like the guy knocking on the door and the clock's ticking and all that sort of thing. Uh, Such a well-executed just suspense scene. That scene when he goes to get Hitler to sign the new Valkyrie revisions felt so surreal to me as if this was being portrayed like real factually in a way like just how surreal it would be to like stand in Hitler's presence in front of like his inner circle in that giant room and the whole place just falls silent and even before having like the children run out of his office if you're like what the hell you know like what is going on and I I love that moment so much it's super tense and I just get the chills like watching it I just sent you guys unrelated to what you were talking about but there is a picture of Tom Cruise and the guy he's playing and he apparently wanted to take the part because he looked so much like the guy and I don't know if it's necessarily that true but it's also pretty close St- Stauffenberg's very st- very tall and Tom Cruise is not but um, that that of course is the one the one major distinction but yeah very similar features I mean Stauffenberg was a really good looking angular kind of strapping dude so yeah if you put a foot on Tom Cruise they, they do look <laughs> very much alike, but... You know, one of my favorite parts of this movie was very, very early on, we get the opening voiceover from Tom Cruise, and oh, he's yeah. speaking in German, and he's writing the letter, and he's talking about how he doesn't like things are going on, and uh, things are troubling in, in Germany, and then as he's speaking German, I'm like, has he spoken German before? Is this whole movie going to be in German? It like seamlessly <laughs> transitions right. to English, and I was like, huh. And then it basically becomes a dramatic equivalent kind of to the death of Stalin where it's a yes. bunch of Russians and it's a bunch of <laughs> British actors yeah. and this is all people in German like you know German act, German characters German people nationals whatever but they're all basically British and American actors and it's like oh but this at least has a transition it's sort of like well now now you speak the language wink wink so now you can understand what they're yes. saying and it's it's cool but I was like I wonder how much there's oh never like almost at the time like as I'm realizing oh we haven't had Tom Cruise speak a lot of other language oh never mind I was uh, I I had forgotten that this wasn't all in German and I remember when that moment happened I was like oh right this this happens in several movies I'm aware I think like the hunt for red October somewhat starts this way where they start speaking in Russian and then it slowly transitions to English Um, I think there's like a Clint Eastwood movie where he's playing like he's he's dressing up to infiltrate the the Germans and like this guy speaking German and it zooms in on his mouth and he starts speaking English and it zooms out and now like we're all acclimated to the language and everything so I love that trick I thought that was a great way to start the movie yeah I also really appreciate uh, you know a pet peeve of mine is the the default idea that if someone is not American and is speaking English then they must speak with an English accent if something took place in the past and it's in English it must be with English accents right as though ancient Romans would be more likely to speak English with an English accent than an American one. It's like, where are you getting this logic from? I like the decision, like, when you're just going to go with one language that's not the language that obviously the characters would be using, that you just allow actors to use their native accents. And, like, one of my favorite, I think probably one of the best dramatical history series ever made, not the Borgias, because that was the one on Showtime, which is kind of terrible with Jeremy Irons, Uh, but the one that came out around the same time called Borgia, which uh, has a really cool international cast, and they're all 
playing Renaissance Italians, and like every single actor just uses their natural voice. Like they just use their natural accents. Like nobody's you know, putting on a fake Italian accent or whatever. And at first it's kind of jarring because you're just not used to hearing like people with an American accent in, in Renaissance Italy. But immediately that goes away when you realize that actors are just better when they're not putting on an accent for no reason. So I really like to just let all the actors in this movie be they German or English or American, just speak the way that they speak and not have them have either fake German accents uh, or, you know, just random arbitrary British accents, because that would be terrible. Yeah, the only person speaking with a German accent in this movie, and it makes sense, I I didn't notice it, but I read it in the trivia, was that the actor who plays Hitler, they said that they thought it would be weird if they had a Hitler who sounded British. (laughs) That's David Bamber, yeah, he's a a pretty well-known I mean, he barely sounds like... That's a good point. (laughs) I I feel like Hitler's gut is, he barely sounds German, like he's almost an impression of himself at one point, like, you know, like, he just sounds like Hitler in in a way. (laughs) That's a really good observation, though. I I never even thought of that. One of my favorite, this is not a bit of trivia, but like one of my favorite like trends to notice is that like it seems like when people play Hitler, they get cast as Hitler in multiple things. It's like, ah, just get the Hitler guy. But this guy <laughs> has only played Hitler once, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, all right. So that's not, okay. It's weird to be pigeonholed as that and the only like German accented actor speaking English in this entire movie and then never play Hitler again. I was like, all right, but he's just like an old guy now. So, all right. Well, I guess it depends on how he's portrayed, but it's amazing like who could get away with it. Like I never felt like, until I saw Jojo Rabbit, I didn't think Taika Waititi would work. But the way he portrays him, it's like perfect. It's like yes, anyone just—it's like Batman. Anyone, as long as you Hitler. fit the suit, <laughs> right? As long as you can wear the mustache, you're good. But also on uh, Cruz's formidable team here, we have uh, Kenneth Branagh, who Mikey yeah. was supposed to be the villain, if you'll remember, the villain in Mission Impossible Three. Yes. When David Fincher was supposed to direct, and then that fell out. Uh, and so he wound up in this movie later to attack with Tom Cruise. And also the other one of real note to us in the podcasting history, and I might be missing one, is the limey himself, Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp. That's Menacing. Right. That's right. Uh, playing, oh. playing Beck. And if you look up if you look up Beck, uh, Stamp looks just like him. I feel like Terrence Stamp like if you just like imagine an intimidating old European guy. It's like, oh, like they all kind of look like Terrence Stamp. Like I feel like he is the embodiment of just like old yeah you know. who else are you gonna get like malcolm mcdowell like they're basically at this age almost interchangeable like maybe if you need a little more energy you get malcolm but you need a little more sort of like stoic menace you get this guy instead but i love that i think eddie izzard might have crossed our paths isn't he in eddie, here somewhere eddie but he was in the in oceans there. movies yep. back in the day bill nighy i don't think he's been in anything reviewed, but <laughs> it's it's great to see just like all Tom these Wilkinson. brits and they're all doing Germans. Like, I wonder if there's, like, some kind of history of, like, if we went back and watched, like, old British war films from the 70s, if, like, it's just a bunch of Brits playing the Germans and this is sort of in that tradition or something, because it almost has, like, a, uh, like, almost like a 70s-ish. I don't know. I wasn't getting, like, this movie was made, like, in the modern day all that much, like, throughout. Like, it felt like it kind of could have been made along the way at any decade, actually. It's got a timeless sort of feel to it. Oh, Mike, I've got a connection here. Bill Nighy was in both G4 and Astro Boy, so a couple of animated cage films. Some cage films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, on the flip side of the coin, so here's here's my disclaimer, kind of, is that, like, I did not love this movie only because it's not my favorite kind of movie. Like, this is not what I would go to on a, in any kind of regard, where it's not like, I never had a history teacher that made me, like, really click with history, and I feel like that's one of my great regrets that I wish that I had a teacher that either I connected with, or that had, like, inspired me in some way. Like, I had good history teachers, but I never had the one who was just, like, who unlocked history for me. So I've never really connected with history. This is not the kind of movie that I would go to for entertainment. I just don't have the background knowledge to like have this enhance this or bring it to life. I don't know that I could point to a specific thing in here that I didn't love, but like the type of movie it is, is just not my favorite kind of movie. So like it kind of falls for me in the middle-ish of Tom Cruise's movies. Not that it's bad, it's just not my personal flavor of what I find enjoyable or what I would go to to watch. So I don't really know how I could answer the least favorite part other than just like the genre but that doesn't seem fair like that doesn't seem like a good answer to that but Mike is there something about this that you particularly did not love or that you wish had changed or swapped out I guess it kind of ties into what you're saying like I remember the first time watching this I liked it more this time I will say this is the second time I've seen this movie Uh, and the thing that I really clicked with the first time was this whole concept of Germans against Nazis you know and I think 
that still holds a lot of resonance for me coming back this time is the idea that no like you know not all germans were nazis you know <laughs> and in fact they hated their guts and they really wanted them out and they were really trying hard it, it's not and it's weird because it's not a conventional war movie either and i'm not a big you know historical drama kind of film watcher i like period pieces and stuff but this plays much more like a period piece to me than like a war film right and i think that is something that caught my attention the second time around is like there's a lot of heavy drama here and I, I was expecting a little more sort of like espionage and intrigue drama kind of like more of a spy thing and it's there but not as much as I guess I was expecting like it's not that I love love this movie but then again I don't really find too much wrong with it it just doesn't like move me you know like I, I gave it three stars and I like it and I think it's cool and stuff but I don't know that I would rewatch it or would have rewatched it if it weren't for doing Cruise Club. After watching it again the second time, like, everyone should check it out. Like, it's really, like, Cruise is a badass. Like, it's a badass mission movie. Um, it's almost like a weird oceans kind of thing going on here with, with, like, the timing and all the different pieces and all that kind of stuff. I might be sort of around that same area with you where it's not, like, any one specific scene or moment or anything that I'm really like, oh, I don't like that. But it's just sort of, like, the tone. It doesn't keep the same kind of tone that I guess I was expecting to be consistent throughout the film. In terms of the entertainment engaging, it's not a fast movie but it's like it's it's not slow it's just like methodically paced like there's nothing here to really like i feel like if it grabs you it's going to keep you but like it sort of fails to lock in and sort of bite in you know what i mean it's just like it's so purely what it is and for a director who's more so i guess associated with like blockbusters and stuff right like this feels like a different kind of movie from like the x-men movies and stuff like that so i don't know yeah this is like part of his like nazi saga because he also did like apt pupil which was a stephen king adaption where like a boy lives next door to a nazi and he gets like uh, you know this nazi in hiding in modern day and he gets like all infatuated with that stuff and everything i don't know exactly like i just can't i guess i guess the thing is i can't quite put my finger on it uh i mean there's tons of stuff i like about this movie um i just can't really quite put my finger on what isn't really mo- working for me john what about you is there something about this i know you love this movie this is one of your favorite movies is there something about this that you think doesn't work do you see where we're coming from i mean are, is there something that we're missing that you could sort of illuminate that could help us like grab it more yeah well i think one of the things is that most americans have never heard of klaus von stauffenberg and like i the, <laughs> i think that's part of the sort of entry problem and one of the, i think the movie does a really admirable job of giving you enough of who he was and his motivations and just his his just stunning heroism to at least paint a little bit enough of a picture that you kind of get the idea again because it's so uh you know he's he's a he's a national hero in germany and every german knows who he is right but like it, it doesn't really translate necessarily to to um outside of germany it doesn't tell you what secret germany is um about like the 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 secret society he belonged to um, as a young man. It, like, it, there's there's a lot of the um, ingredients that help explain what he was all about and why he did what he did uh, that the movie just doesn't really have time to get into. It's a great re- recreation of a really stunning moment uh, in, in, you know, in political and personal courage. So I, I, I like that about it. I also, I mean, I also, I really like that it takes basically no liberties the the only two things <laughs> one of them is actually quite bothersome but like singer said that he wanted to do it because it was great dramatic effect when Stauffenberg first, first comes home to his family and he's putting on the record player Wagner is playing uh right the Valkyries uh oh yes 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 so, I, I so, made a note of this so the reason that 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 is historically inaccurate is that Stauffenberg hated Wagner and that <laughs> Wagner who represented you know Wagner was a major inspiration for Hitler Wagner's music was really part of what Nazi propaganda um, I love Wagner and and I struggle with that as well because it's one of those like I mean he died before the, you know the Nazis the Reich even even came to be but you know Wagner was a was a rabid anti-semite German nationalist and his music and the the Germanic quality of his music really sort of helped inspire Nazism so you know Stauffenberg was vocally uh, repelled by Wagner um, and there's no way he would own one of his records <laughs> and like be playing it at his house but it's a great moment for like for you know it, it it it's it's purely cinematic. It's a great light bulb moment where he's like, wait a yeah. minute, Wagner, Valkyrie, Project Valkyrie, I've got it. Like that's how it feels, <laughs> right. and I love it. 
<laughs> I, I think they kind of make up for it uh, a little bit when in the scene with Hitler, Hitler specifically like talks about Wagner, and Stauffenberg's kind of like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Right? It's like you can't you can't understand National Socialism without understanding Wagner. So I think that's sort of almost a nod to like make up for having made that creative decision, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. The weird thing about that scene that caught me was that like in a movie that's sort of I don't mean this as a negative, but like lacking visual flair. Yeah. There's such an in your face of like the camera spinning opposite the way that the record's spinning and like it's nauseating and cool it's like it's like a literal light bulb on screen it's like well that it just feels so in your face so i'm glad that there's I, I guess i'm glad that there's more of a backstory there but it still feels weird it's like it's like this is the flash that i want to add that i know that i don't want to add to the rest of the movie you know it's weird that was like one of the only moments where i'm watching this going like oh this is the guy who directed the x-men movies like other than that like it doesn't seem like him at all and also the 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 ringleader of a child prostitution ring i just meant like visually like as like oh that bled, bled in that sensibility bled over a little oh no no i totally i mean I, <laughs> I, I i get what you're saying and no and it's a struggle for me too because i do love this movie and it's the only movie that you know really has explored stauffenberg and this historical moment and i like a lot of singers movies and i really struggle with it because it, in the same way that like at least wagner's been dead for a century or so brian singer's still out there and and um i don't believe in prison right now and i have a hard time with it it's it's the accusations against him are are just monstrous and sickening and and the same's true of cruise right because like scientology also sickens me and has like ruined people's lives and i well, have that's that's what i was gonna say that like we have done and i'm not sure i guess i'm gonna leave this in but like we've we made a conscious decision i mean so okay going going back a step to the beginning of cage club it was almost a joke at how little we knew about Nicolas Cage's life. Like, we're just like, we're just doing the movies, because I feel like the, the kind of the thesis statement behind Cage Club was, we're going to see if he's a good actor, separating the internet crazy, going beyond the memes, seeing if, like, what he's actually putting on screen translates into being a good actor, and we felt, yes, obviously. And then we sort of just carried that throughout. And then when we did Cruise Club, we, we made a real conscious decision to not bleed over the personal life the like the paparazzi the everything that you know about him and like it's impossible not to because like part of the publicity of war of the worlds like he and steven spielberg were supposed to be on oprah together and spielberg had to do something else and so like cruise went alone that was a katie holmes like there's things that are like inextricably tied to the movies that we're talking about but i think that we've made such a conscious decision to separate that and from what i've seen like in itunes reviews like people i think appreciate that because i think there's a lot of people out there who like tom cruise as an actor and kind of like what you're saying john like feel conflicted in a way you're like i don't want to like this but i do and like how do you separate the art from the artist but what's weird the 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 crazy thing about this is that when they were filming this movie germany (laughs) germany has this like strict anti-cult thing or whatever and they like they refused a lot of filming rights to this production mm-hmm. because they wouldn't they they saw Scientology as this negative thing and they didn't want to be associated with Tom Cruise and what he embodies and then here we are you know years after the fact with all this Brian Singer stuff comes out it's like it's doubly bad it's 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 a weird circle that like as far as we try to stay away from it and just only analyze what's on screen sometimes you can't not notice yeah. it it's tough i mean the only way i was almost, like i was just watching this movie going you know first i was like i, I can't believe it's brian singer directed this but then you know if i'm not mistaken as a jewish guy like you know making this movie was was probably you know we I could only assume he took it more seriously and like to heart and wanted to get it right. So like, I kind of, there's a part of me that's like, all right, you know, this is like also part of like his heritage in a way. And, you know, telling this story being like, this guy's probably a hero of his and stuff. And so I don't know. It's, it's very difficult um, when those other things come into play. And I just try and not, I'm not saying I've looked the other way, never or anything like that, but it's like, how can you sort of like, what is it artistically about it that he made this choice that he did this and did it at the time? I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And I remember when they were filming this, that there was a lot of anxiety and also hostility, you know, with, with, with the German government, they weren't thrilled with the idea of Cruz 
playing Stauffenberg anyway because of their attitude about Scientology and, and about cults and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it was really awkward, ultimately, what it came down to. And I, for some reason, basically, the whole controversy kind of went away. And I think, I think it's Cruz himself who basically intervened and his uh, sort of ability to articulate his own admiration of Stauffenberg and his, and his sort of research on him and his respect for the story. If I remember it right, that's kind of ultimately how that thing sort of subsided. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was a big deal. And I, you know, I do think that any foreign Hollywood actor kind of taking on a role for a figure as beloved as he is would have been met with some kind of resistance. I think the best way, like, if, I, if I'm if i going to pick a, a kind of um, American equivalent to this, to, to who Stauffenberg is in history, and also his kind of obscurity, um, would be someone like John Brown. You know, and you have a guy who's like an insider, right, who, who rebels against the system and loses, you know, dies as a result of it, right? by trying to basically undermine the injustice of slavery um, as a white man in America. I don't know how many foreign people have heard of John Brown. I don't know, right? A global audience would be like, oh, cool, let's watch a John Brown movie. I kind of feel like that's how Valkyrie must have come across to a lot of people because they're like, who is this person? What are you talking about? So yeah, it is. It is. It does work as a um, as a thrilling, you know, high wire suspense drama, and very little of that is made up. Um, almost all of it is is authentic um, to the story. But you know, th- th- there is a lot more going on there, um, and I think the difference between liking that movie and loving it does depend on on your your foreknowledge going into it and just how much you know about. The, the 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 true story behind it. It almost feels like uh, like the Harry Potter movies in that way, right? Where it's yeah. like I know what yeah. I'm watching is cool and good, and I'm having a lot of fun. But <laughs> if I had just read those books first, I'd probably get like so much more out of this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> I propose two words that we like to throw around every once in a while about a movie that might deserve it: Netflix show. Like I would watch the hell out of. Oh, Valkyrie. for sure. You know, like you said, I want to know about more about Secret Germany, the Secret Society. You could go more into both sides and yeah and go deeper into this mission and you know like it said at the end 15 attempts that they knew of on hitler's life like yeah i take any of those movies <laughs> yeah <know? laughs> yeah that would make a great series and and yeah there's there's much more to stauffenberg's life that is fascinating and worth exploring like everything before what we saw right like before prior to where this movie starts like he already seems like such a heroic badass when the film starts so and then he's basically blown apart he came from basically an aristocratic family bavarian aristocracy and and so he was in effect the model nazi i mean he is what hitler envisioned like he's what hitler wanted to be if hitler could have looked like him and had his pedigree he would have taken it in a heartbeat and so there's this really interesting tension there you know i I don't think stauffenberg is i think people oversimplify him a little too much as a kind of anti-Nazi, like someone who saw the light and wanted to destroy the Nazis and hated Hitler because of his love of democracy or whatever. And yeah, you know, that's that's over like that's that's oversimplifying what was going on in Germany at the time. Stauffenberg was probably still basically a fascist, just not a anti-Semitic authoritarian fascist. There's a lot of the pro-Germany movements of the of the early 20th century, especially after World War One. Democracy wasn't 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 huge. Like it was like it wasn't that popular. It had failed in a lot of capacities, and a lot of people were were looking to a sort of Platonic ideal, like going back to you know the ancient Roman and Greek republics and trying to like recapture some of that. And and I think Stauffenberg even saw in Hitler initially um, someone. I think a lot of people. Like someone who was sort of going down that lane until they found out that A, he was an incompetent madman, and B, a murderous thug. Oh, you know, sort of the, 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 the veil dropped. A lot of that is alluded to in the movie. It doesn't really have time to explore that stuff. And, and you know, this is such a remarkable human being and controversial and, and, and difficult to really pin down. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to see more. I'd love to see a HBO or Netflix limited series that explores it, right, and really gives it that time to breathe. Who would you cast now if they re- if they announce tomorrow that they're <sighs> doing a Valkyrie limited run series? Who plays Stauf- von Stauffenberg? I, Army Hammer, I think is, is, is okay. Oh, would be, nice pull. Uh, out- outstanding. Having said everything that I just said, though, 
the way that it so faithfully recreates. I mean, the only thing that it, again that that it really sort of adds to for dramatic effect is the the sheer length of uh, how long they waited before finding out they'd failed. So the whole scene when they when they take the Reichstag that didn't last nearly as long as the movie says it does, right? So so and that's played out really nicely. But that's really kind of to give all the characters their sort of heroic death. Beck really did ask to be asked if he could shoot himself with his own pistol. Really did come down to Ulbricht not making the call uh, because he 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 was afraid that it, he needed confirmation that Hitler had actually been dead. Had he done it sooner, it might have ended differently, right? There's there's all those little details um, are are very much you know part of the, uh, the the historical record that we have of of the event. Even when Stauffenberg was initially drafted, when they're sitting inside that bombed out uh, church, that really happened. Like that's exactly how it happened. Down to you know that actual that actual place so it recreates like all of the places right all of the timing um almost perfectly and 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 it's a it's a terrific reenactment um of of the entire thing it's people are most surprised i think by how little is made up not how not how much is right usually with a movie like that you're like there's there's a lot of liberties but there's very few aside from the ones that just sort of feel um, important for the for the pacing of it, but well, let's give credit on that to uh, a certain writer by the name of Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. What do you know? Quick absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. become uh-huh. a big part of Tom Cruise's life. Where I was like, oh shit, I was like, okay, because he's <laughs> going to write like four or five or six, like I think maybe six of Cruise's movies from here on out, wow. and he's obviously going to become like the Mission Impossible director. Like he is to Mission Impossible what Justin Lin is to the Fast and the Furious. Like he is like that's it used to be everybody gets a movie, but now it's like oh no, that's it's his now. The end sequence, like the last half hour, the the tension and the and the plotting of the last half hour of Valkyrie was to me the most suspenseful sequencing and editing of a movie. Like it would be my go-to. Like here's how you create razor sharp tension for half an hour until yes. the last half hour of Mission Impossible Fallout, where I was like. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, no, this is how you do it, right? So the whole thing with like the nuclear bomb and the the helicopter or whatever on the iceberg, like the snow and like God, like, I I don't, I don't think I breathed for like half an hour uh, at the end of that movie. And also, you know what's going to happen. Tom Cruise is not going to die. They're yeah. not going to get nuked. You know it's not going to end that way. And yet, you know, Macquarie, I think, is 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 the one who really is to um, to be credited for that. The only other note that I have in this entire movie that I want to make note of, in particular, because we mentioned Cage Club a couple times already. We did all of Nicolas Cage's movies. If you want to go check out Nicolas Cage's filmography, we have a whole podcast about that. One thing we've noticed, thanks to our friend Lindsay Gibb, Nicholas Cage shaves in about 15 movies. Tom Cruise shaves in this movie, too. I was like, who does he think he is? Nicholas Cage? <laughs> Did Cage ever wear an eye patch? Not yet, I don't think. He never played that pirate. I feel like, I mean, not in Amos and Andrew, but I feel like it's sort of like the kind of thing that his character in Amos and Andrew yeah. would have worn. <laughs> the only other uh, note that I have in this is, uh, and I think it relates to like the writing we were just talking about. I love the... Um, failed attempt by Kenneth Brenna in the beginning mm, to, yeah, to kill Hitler yeah. on the airplane that yeah. <laughs> is the best when they're just <laughs> waiting by the phone and everything oh. and, and it led me to think about another moment at the end when Cruz thinks that he succeeded in killing Hitler and he has that ride back and he just must imagine like how sweet it must have felt just for that moment to know mm-hmm. like Hitler's dead until you know the reverse and getting the call that he wasn't and everything but I love those moments where it's just like the sit and wait and see like they're portrayed so well in this movie and that is so great at Kenneth Brenna it's like these guys have like such balls to just like waltz not waltz but like march into Nazi headquarters to like re-retrieve the bottle and then the Nazi guy is like well maybe we should take a drink you know because he's kind of on to him and Kenneth right. Brenna being like you know the Fuhrer abstains what would he think and the guy's like shit you are a Nazi bastard damn it and Kenneth Brenner's like whew that was a close one just books it out of there like these guys have balls of steel it's crazy (laughs) so one little bit of trivia at the end and again this is sort of really if you if you know the story and you know Stauffenberg I think it's actually very clever um so when he's when he's executed the 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 way that they either edit the sound or or how they have Tom Cruise deliver the line you don't know whether he's saying long live Sacred Germany, S-A-C-R-E-D, or Long Live Secret Germany, S-E-C-R-E-T. And the reason for that is because, depending on who you ask, he either said, Es lebe 
das Heilig Deutschland or es lebe das Geheim Deutschland and, and, and real fast and they're very difficult to distinguish which ones like they sound very similar. So some reports say that he's, he, his last words where he yelled out long live sacred Germany and some say his last words are long live secret Germany and there's the movie deliberately makes it so you can hear both. What is the difference in the meaning between yeah. the two? Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. So the sacred Germany thing is uh, just a common phrase or at least it was a, a common phrase in the 1940s for like anti Nazi resistance of you know the the uncorrupted you know pre-fascist Germany. It is reasonable to think he might have said that. It's more likely that he said "Long live secret Germany" because secret Germany was actually the name of this sort of poets society that he was part of from a young age. Started by a guy named Stefan George, who was a, a German poet, very steeped in sort of again that sort of Platonic classical. Hellenistic ancient philosophy thing. And so Secret Germany was this like goal of creating a better Germany more in sort of the ancient ideal, very much in line with a lot of fascist ideals, but not in the way that we think about fascism now. It seems that he the, the, the name of the group and a lot of his co-conspirators were also part of Secret Germany growing up and that that, that actually is what they referred to each other as um, within the secret society. So it's much more likely that's what he said, but it, it, there's there's documentation for both. And so no, but there's no, there's no conclusive one way or the other. So the way the movie resolves it is by doing both. By deliberately having Cruz say it in a way where you can't tell if it's sacred or secret. And I know, I think Macquarie has actually even talked about writing that into the script, that it's like in parentheses. How convenient that the words in both English and German are so similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now, very big question, very important question. We have seen Tom Hanks literally on the other side of this war. Do you think Tom Hanks could play the role of Hans Stauffenberg? Or, if not, I think he would also kind of fit in somewhere on Cruz's team, because I feel like it's just mm. kind of a character, like a, a rogues gallery of, like, prestige actors to a certain extent. I mean, maybe he's <laughs> not true. old enough, but there's also younger guys. But do you guys think that he could play the Tom Cruise role, or if not... Where would he find? Where would he fit in? Or would he be a Nazi, like a like a bad a bad guy? You know, it's weird. Is um, <laughs> <laughs> if the mustache fits. But no, you know what I was thinking. Uh, you know, I knew this question was coming. A movie I haven't seen yet, uh, Road to Perdition, where Hanks has a mustache. Hanks is really mean and a mean bastard in that movie. So like maybe in a few films he could like play a Nazi or something. But like I I can't. I like it's weird. Like we like I could not associate Hanks as a German, like even playing a German. It's like something like John brought up last when we were talking about Toy Story about Hanks in Saving Private Ryan. Like, I think that would get to me. I think I would be like, well, there's Tom Hanks and there's Tom Hanks and like just totally miscast. Whereas with Cruz, there's like, you know, we've talked about sort of the dark side of Cruz before that like kind of shines through here. I don't know. I mean, maybe we could write a role where like an American makes a phone call or something and on the other line is Tom Hanks, but... I, I, I can't see him playing them. Maybe very early Tom Hanks, uh, when he was a little bit more angular and and thinner. However, I, I do think he would he would have played a, a good a good Tresco. It's a character played by Branna. Actually, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna send you right now. I'm gonna send you a photo of what Tresco actually looked like. Um, and if you shaved Tom Hanks's head, um, it's it's actually not a bad fit. Oh, okay. It's sort of it's sort of Hanksian. It's closer closer to Hanks, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, closer even than Branna is to to Hantresco. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't want to say that Tom Cruise is a better actor than Tom Hanks. I think it's difficult to compare the two because they're so wildly different. But I feel like he's kind of more diverse. Like, he, I feel like, and going back to what you were saying earlier, John, about like Cruise explaining his like why he wanted to do this movie. I feel like the thing that we keep seeing over and over again in Tom Cruise's movies is like he's committing to everything to the full extent and Mm -hmm. like it doesn't seem like he's taking movies just to take movies like it almost feels in that way like he and Nicolas Cage could not be more opposites Mike it's like Cruise or Cage can't be not busy right like he always has to be doing something it feels like everything that Cruise is doing for the most part is like I'm doing this because like he has a list of reasons and like this is why it all matters to him and I think that that's like it's remarkable. It almost feels like Cruz is like living his real life through his movies. Like, like he's counting them as like real life experiences. And I suppose making the movies are, but I often wonder if that's why he put himself into the stunt role too. So he could like, 
it's not vicarious anymore watching it on screen it's like i'm actually doing this now like i'm performing this stunt i've accomplished this thing it's like i'm on a different level than everybody else or but yeah it's just it's just another i don't want to say he's a better actor per se i mean they have different tastes at this point and tom cruise's he he just leans more towards action oriented stuff and Tom Hanks is uh, just more core dramatic, I think, at the moment. And they're both fine. You know, I just am still waiting for them to do a movie together. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe they haven't. You know, we did so many movies for so long. We did all of Cage. We did all of Keanu. We did all of Shot. Like, it took hundreds of episodes before we had actors cross over. We're like, what are we doing wrong? Like, these actors who are prolific and, like, all in 60, 80, 100 movies. And yet there's so little crossover. But it also, I guess, kind of makes sense that, like, even with the disproportionate amount of, like, male roles and leading roles, like, there's not a lot of movies where like it's two kind of alpha leading men that's the thing right like you 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 hook one of these guys up with ryan reynolds instead like that like that's the formula you know like that's what they did to jeff bridges that's they did to sam jackson like they didn't put sam jackson and jeff bridges into the movie together which would have been awesome they made two separate movies each with ryan reynolds you know they just have different trajectories possibly especially at this time and for the next 10 years i'd say i think maybe now would be more of the time that they got together but back then they just had like their audiences and their audiences wanted them by themselves for the most part and that's what they got it seems so now a very important question we found on twitter actually first off easy one answer yes i think does tom cruise run i know that he briskly walks away like he's trying to play it cool does tom cruise run in this movie i would assume he does oh no in the beginning on the in beach the, in maybe, the opening probably? right didn't oh, he run yeah, into yes. that truck to try and drive away yeah when they're attacked in north africa after that he's basically crippled i mean he, he really he couldn't run that made me think of fury joey when brad pitt's like i've been all the way from africa to germany you know in this tank basically like running over nazis germans in africa now i'm killing germans in germany uh but also what was that movie oh boy mike do you remember it was the tom hanks romance movie where he was a fighter pilot shot down in africa no he was shot down in israel wasn't he no because i think he falls in love with a jewish girl i think that's where the israel comes in oh okay okay okay. what was that movie called it was not good What, what are you even talking about? There was a Tom Hanks movie where he played a fighter pilot that got shot down and it turned into like a, this like Florence Nightingale thing. Every time we say goodbye, an American flyer who joined the RAF before his country was in the war is recovering from a leg injury in Jerusalem. Yeah. He gets shot down, I think, in Africa, brought to Jerusalem, meets a quiet Jewish girl whose close-knit family originally came from Spain. The two are attracted to each other. That's she is right. convinced their diverse backgrounds mean it could never work from 1986 and I have it ranked as the next to worst wow. above only nothing in common a movie that Jimmy Pardo my, one of my favorite podcasters loves and I'm like how do you love nothing in common <laughs> who boy well, you and I had <laughs> nothing in common so Tom Cruise does run does Tom Cruise's character you might remember this from Magnolia John we found Har Perfect on Twitter said you could replace <laughs> <laughs> I'm already you saying re- yes <laughs> this, I'm, I'm laughing at this one just because it is such okay here's a better question has Cruise played a real person before oh oh um... good question Frank T.J. Mackey, obviously a real person. <laughs> oh, no, Ron Kovic. He played Ron Kovic. Oh, 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 and Far and Away. Wasn't that a real guy? No, it wasn't a real was person. Was A Few Good Men, was he based on someone? <laughs> yes, right? Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. That's a true so story. So Born on the Fourth, um, Fourth of July, yes. Uh, I don't, I don't. Good Men, yes. I don't know how many of the characters in that movie are um, direct corollaries to existing people but i do know that that's a real that was a real case and it's it's a real it's a true story well for sure i mean we have ron kovic so this is not the first time that he has played a real person but we've made such a big deal about his name and just the coolness of his name yeah. we found on twitter harper effect said you could replace tom cruise's character name in any movie with the name lightning mcqueen and not a thing would change i'm gonna add could we could he be named lightning von mcqueen <laughs> Von, and von just would this movie still be the same? Von, well, it wouldn't be. No, it wouldn't be Von McQueen. It would be Von 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 Queen. It'd be Lightning Von Queen. But that sounds super Nazi. You're a full-time Nazi for real. If your name is Lightning Von Queen, that's that's way too. Yeah, Lightning. You might as well name him Blitzkrieg McQueen yeah. or something. <laughs> exactly. Oh, The Last Samurai. Oh yes, yes, yes. I love that movie too. How could I forget? Right? The final thing we have to do on the show 
is the Tom Cruise Award. Still no name for it. I was going to say, like, the Golden Valkyries, but that's just the name of a movie. We'll get mm-hmm. to it. We've still got another 10 or 15 movies to go. The Golden Runs? No, that sounds like diarrhea. I know. That's, that's terrible. Much. As soon as I said it. <laughs> Best film? I know that, John, you're going to say yes, but I don't know. Given what Tom Cruise has been in, I don't know, based on my, Mike, you're, you're in my reaction. I don't know if we can nominate this for Best Film, I don't think. It's not. It's definitely not. We got rid of Worst Film, but again, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be there either. It'd just be in the middle no. somewhere. It's high in the middle for me if only because it's so unlike any of his other movies. Yep. You know, and uh, he's super intense and badass in it, so. I'm going to for sure say uh, Colonel Klaus von Stauffenberg as best role. Yeah. He really does it justice, too. I mean, he, he, he plays him very, very well, and, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why the Germans were sort of okay with it in the end. But yeah, it's he, he doesn't over oversell it. He tries to, like, play down. I mean, there's a lot of the cruise intensity that just sort of comes along with the territory, but he try, kind of plays that down a lot, and, and I I'm just I'm really impressed with how sort of respectfully and understatedly he plays the performance. I think we also nominate him for most badass role because he is a guy literally yeah. trying to kill Hitler. And I also want to nominate him for <laughs> most daring role to take because like he's playing a Nazi as basically America's action star. I know that he's like a good Nazi, but it's still like he's playing a Nazi. It's like, oh boy, yeah. like there's official movie propaganda out there with him in like SS uniform. You know what I mean? Like it's you take that out of context, like that's it, it's not a safe movie to take. It's not a safe role to take. Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise to play someone who, you know, whose legs were permanently injured, who lost one hand, an eye, and had only three fingers on the other hand. Like, that's not the typical sort of action, right? Like, f- yeah, he doesn't look movies, good, right? Movie, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, not. Yeah, it's not a vain role. Look good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that this is necessarily true. Is there like a hand-to-hand combat scene? Is there a best fight? I mean, it's, it's sort of one long struggle, kind of, the entire movie. But is there a fight in here? I don't know that there is. No, aside from the yeah. one that he very much loses in the end as he gets bombed <laughs> by the Allies in North North Africa. Best theme song soundtrack score? I'm going to say no, just because I don't really remember. It might be good, but I don't remember. Wagner? It. You don't want to nominate Wagner, that piece of Ooh. shit? <laughs> <laughs> It is a great score. I would go back and watch it just to pay attention to the movie, the the the, the music, um, and the music cues. It's a very subtle and tense score, which really, really helps kind of play those long, incredibly tense scenes out. I, it took me a couple viewings to really have the the music sink in, but it's pretty darn great. All right, I will put it there. We we're, we're, we already have like way too many, so we're gonna have to whittle that down, and it's probably sure. gonna become like just theme song. But we will uh, we'll find out. Best vehicle chase race. I mean, there's the getaway that I think Mike you brought up before is great, but it's not really like a chase, especially compared to like what he's done in the Mission Impossible movies and stuff like that. Like or right. the land grab and far and away, it doesn't quite. They didn't fabricate a leg chase like through the forest trying right. to get like the plastique. Best dance scene, no best cruise outfit wardrobe we want to say like an ss uniform not just the uniform but the whole sort of look like missing a hand having like a couple fingers on the other having the eye patch and the scar and the whole you know the whole ensemble i think all right and those moments where like he had his fake eye in you know like such great like slight i don't know if that was digital or if they just gave him like something to put over his real eye or something but it was so weird i think it was digital if i i I think i've seen a a making of behind the scenes thing and i'm pretty sure it was digital but yeah it's it's well done it's like it's very it's very icky and graphic (laughs) in the way that it's done best sunglasses i don't think that he wears sunglasses in this movie he wears an eye patch patch. pretty close (laughs) does it count (laughs) best death though firing squad oh yeah it's a great death yeah best line or best freak out there was one line that i made note of i think i mean there's long live sacred germany or secret germany whichever we want to say the line that i think my favorite is is he says i'm engaged in high treason with all means available to oh, me. Yeah. Can i count you in <laughs> that's yeah. a great scene i've almost completely forgotten about that yeah that's a that's a fantastic and the guy's like cru- cruise delivery yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They never. He never says. He never utters the phrase "I'ma kill Hitler." He never. <laughs> yeah, he just comes out and says it. <laughs> I'ma fuck up Hitler. Yeah, no, that's a uh, different movie. <laughs> Best sex scene. Does no. There's no sex scene. Most most athletic feats. Don't think that there is one, especially compared to Mission Impossible. Best well, running scene. It's, it's not. I, I will agree. It doesn't deserve to be on the list. But I just want to reiterate. Earlier, it was brought up him changing. Yeah, I was going to say like that four too. Fingers that's, on the other hand. I could. I, I still do don't want. That's not an athletic. I mean. No, I know, like, but I just. I just want to. Re- comment on like how sure. impressive that is to do not necessarily in the movie but like as an 
actual person that had to do that in real life. Of course. The guy who <laughs> under pressure and everything. <laughs> like I could barely get dressed in the morning and I got like mm-hmm. more than enough hands. How many hands do you have? I've got extra hands. Okay. Best or worst love story? No. Best ensemble cast? Best non-cruise actor, male or female? I don't know that there's one actor that really stands out here, but I will say best ensemble cast overall, the entire... It's a great yeah, cast. Like... I mean, like, it's hard to argue with this cast when you have, you know, Bill... Like, Tom Hollander's in this. There's a... It's, it's, there's a lot. Spider-Man. Really. No, that's Tom Holland. I feel like this is the exact kind of movie where, like, you and I don't have, like, a ton of bad things to say but not like it's not our favorite cup of tea but it also shows it has a, a hell of a showing at the whatever they're called cruise club awards eight nominees right now best role most badass role most daring role to take best theme song soundtrack score best outfit wardrobe best death best line and best ensemble cast so pretty good overall nice yeah, i'll take it so john you will be back for a couple more hanks episodes but no more cruise club episodes you're gonna be back for our three dan brown robert langdon movies over on uh, hanks and memories but thank you so much for joining us for this and for magnolia this is a series wrap for you on cruise club two high quality movies that i very much love so glad to chime in on them well you will have to be back before too long i mean i guess probably what is it next year maybe two years when uh, the matrix 4 comes out because you are a oh. resident philosopher and uh, theologian and religious expert it's gonna be fun oh so i did want to make note that valkyrie is one of two movies now now i'm only down to one i've only seen i've only not seen one tom cruise movie we're gonna do that in three episodes rock of ages i have not seen i've not seen that either i've always wondered what that was oh boy but yeah so next episode is night and day then we have a mission impossible because of course we do because it's been a little while and then rock of ages and then i will have seen every tom cruise movie and who boy, we got some good ones still, co- and some not some good ones, but a lot of really good ones to come. But next episode, night and day, I saw that once. I don't remember a single thing about it. I think they're on the beach, maybe at one point. I don't know. Night and Day is a pretty good movie. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty forgettable, but it's 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 a really good time. It's well made. Rock of Ages is cool. an absolute disaster, and and you will hate it, and it's terrible. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> very very <laughs> but, cool but, indeed. But there is something grotesquely amazing about Tom Cruise in that movie that it's just unforgettable, but maybe not kind of in a Battlefield Earth sort of way and not in a, like... Oh, Ooh. now you're talking my language. So... Now I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Between now and night and day, we have the Green Mile over on Hanks of the Memories, so go check that one out in our off week in between. But for all things Cruise Club, Hanks of the Memories, and all 26 shows in the podcast network, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run, R-U-N, at cageclub.me. Like I said, come back in two weeks for night and day. Check out all 31 episodes of Cruise Club and go check out the Matrix episodes. I think those are some of the most fun ones that we've done with John on any of the shows that we've done. Just, you know, where John is like, hey, Neo is kind of Jesus and kind of not. And here is why. So go check those out over on Keanu Club. Just go to Cage Club. Let me search John Brooks and just find everything there. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was John Brooks. And we'll see you next time right here on Cruise Club. Cruise Club.